Blessing Church. Well, let's get, uh, let's take care of our picture first. I've become a picture nut. Uh, this is what we accomplished in North Carolina last week. I got these two uh, connected. I got to play the part of a dad, of a preacher, and a photographer. Uh, the dad was far better than all the others, um, but uh, it was fun. We had a good time on the beach, and, and these kiddos, you know, they went out there with nothing, and now they have a couch, a chair, some silverware plates, you know, uh, and so we're getting these pictures coming in of just them setting up home and house. And um, The first day that we were out there, I went and helped Micah uh, get the mattress, which came rolled up in a box. It's hard to believe that's how you get your mattress these days. But, uh, and so it was delivered to Sean's, one of Sean's good friends that live out in North Carolina. And so we went to his house and got it, and we had it laid out, and it took 48 hours, which was about exactly what they needed, you know, uh, 48 hours for it to puff up. Um, and so, anyway, it's all exciting, um, and uh, they really appreciate you guys, and uh, I appreciate you guys, but wanted to kind of give you an update on that. Um, so we're going to start kind of a new mini-series within our mini-series within our big series, right? Our, our big series that we are have been embarked on is, you know, recovering the mission of God. Um, and then we have like these little series within that. And so we're over here. We made it this far so far. And we're just talking about reconnecting. Um, we've been talking about just the value of the church. You know, the church is these things. And we've been walking through that. And so now I want us to, before we conclude this uh, reconnect part, I want us to talk about relationships, because relationships are definitely part of reconnecting, right? And uh, so we're going to spend the next uh, uh, five weeks or so before we go into our next uh, and last uh, section here of just talking about relationships. Today I want to just talk about our relationships with the people that are, you know, people that we are connected with that are in the world, okay? So basically our relationships of those who live in the world. Uh, and that's what I want us to talk about. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 if you want to turn there, and we will walk through that, uh, the first uh, 20 verses of that uh, as we go along here. Um, and so in this text that we will get to, you know, the Lord... He has a challenge for us, and it, it's, a, it's a big challenge. And, and the challenge is this, is how do we walk through the world and yet remain completely dedicated to our God? How do we do that? How is it that we, we uh, affect, uh, we um, uh, change the people, redirect the people in the world, but not let them redirect or change or infiltrate us. Uh, and that is a challenge. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about. The Bible says in Hebrew, I mean, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, this is what Jesus actually said to us, right? He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it, its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. That's us, right? 
We are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And that's like our objective. That's what God has given us, is to light our, our lights before the people uh, that we associate with that are in the world. Our, some of our friends, some just our work you know, acquaintances, uh, some people that we go to school with, some people we just meet you know, on occasion at Walmart. How is it that we light our light and make God look good um, and have those relationships but don't allow them to you know, affect us, but we affect them? Uh, how is it that we do that? It's, it's not easy. You know, this is, well, I call it a challenge because it is a challenge. It is a challenge to have a relationship with the world and not let the world, you know, change us or pull us in. Throughout history, there's been different ways of trying to, you know, accomplish this, letting our light shine. Like some people have just thought that the best thing that we can do is just completely isolate ourselves from the people of the world. And, uh, and so it's almost like a monastery type of approach, right? Uh, in fact, that's what some people had done, is just join a monastery, just completely isolate yourself away from the world. That way the world can't influence you, can't, you know, change you or pull you in in any way. But the problem with that is it's pretty hard to do what Jesus has called us to do, and that is to be the light in the darkness, you know, to affect them, to be the salt. How do you, how do you be the salt if you're not even there to salt anything. And so it's not the approach that he wants. But then there's this other extreme, and that is, I don't know, it's, it's just having this attitude that let's just be all in, uh, uh, associating ourselves with the world and just not really um, worrying about it. In other words, like having this mindset that as long as I'm in Christ, he takes care of all of my sins, so why am I worried about um, my association with the world. I just live how I want to live. I'm saved, um, and so therefore don't worry about that as much. It, it's almost like having this motto, you know, we're all sinners and saved by grace, so just take a chill pill, you know, preacher. Uh, I'm okay. They're okay. But the problem is, is that when we have such a, an extreme mindset, we just become like them you know, the people of the world. We begin to live and talk and do everything that they do. And so therefore, the problem with that is, is that we, we haven't affected them at all. They've affected us completely. You know, uh, we, don't, we don't have this ability to really change anything because we're really not salty. It's like having salt that has no salty effect. And that's what Jesus was talking about there. Um, and so there, there has to be a way of accomplishing this, to have a relationship with the world in a way that we affect them, but they don't affect us, that we pull them into our world instead of them pulling us into their world. And that's really what the scripture that we are going to look at today is all about. Now, often the Bible, is, it, it talks to us about that our, our Christian life is, is like a race, it's like a marathon, or it's like a sprint. I mean, it's like this intensity of a, a runner running. Uh, today, 
it, it's really kind of gives us a picture of a walk, not a marathon, not a race. It's, it's more like uh, a walk. He tells us to walk in love, to walk in the light, to walk in wisdom. We'll look at those in just a second. Uh, but the reason he does is because he's talking about us being consistent, to having consistency in our relationship with people that are in the world. So let's look at that just for a second, this walk. In verse 2, so we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, it says this, And walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So one of the ways that we, he wants us to be consistent is our walk in love with them. Another way is to walk in the light in verse 8. Look at that with me. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the, war, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we are to walk in love. We are to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. And here's another way we are to walk with the consistency in our lives. And that is to walk in wisdom. In verse 15, look at that. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. So as we walk in this world, and as we are having our relationships with people of this world, let us remember those things, right? To walk in love when we are around people of the world, to walk in the light, and to walk with wisdom. And let us be consistent as we do that. Here's the first point that I'm drawing from that verse two, walking in love, and that is just simply this. Don't isolate, but imitate Jesus, okay? God has not called us to isolate, to pull away from the people of the world. He still wants us to have relationships with people in the world, you know? He still wants us to have some friends. He still wants us to have some acquaintances. But he wants to make sure that as we are having those relationships with people of the world, that, that we are imitating Jesus in the midst of that. Um, and that's really important. So therefore, he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus seemed to love and honor the Father, Father above all things, Right? I mean, everything that he did was motivated by what was pleasing to God. And as a result of that, what ple- that he knew pleased God was to sacrifice uh, on our behalf. Okay? But he didn't sacrifice on our behalf just to please us, even though it did please us. He didn't do it to please us. He did it to please who? His Father God. That's why. That was his motivation, was to honor God above all things. And, and the... And the byproduct of honoring God was to sacrifice on our behalf. And I think that that's really important for us to understand that distinguishment because he, Jesus seeked to love God um, for God's benefit. Uh, he didn't seek to love people for God's benefit. He seeked to love God for God's benefit. And we are to seek to love Jesus for Jesus's benefit. If we're going to imitate Jesus, then we have to love God for Jesus's benefit or love Jesus for his benefit. And and the byproduct of that most of the time is going to be for the benefit of other people, but not always. 
But one thing is for sure, right, is in the midst of that, it means to not seek our own good. And there's so many Bible verses that talk about that, to not seek our own benefit or our own good, but to seek the benefit of others. And the reason is because that pleases God. And, and it's really important for us to, if we're going to mimic our Father God, which that's what children do, right? When children are little, they mimic their fathers. And that's just the way that we are. And that's the way that we should be as children of our God, too, to mimic our Heavenly Father. And so we look to Jesus as an example of how to do this. And so what did Jesus do? He imitated his Father. He, he desired to honor him, to please him in all that he did. And he knew that the first thing that he needed to do to please his Father is to sacrifice Sacrifice his own desires, his own will, and he gave those up. That's what this verse is talking about. If we are to imitate Jesus, it means that we are to not look out for the benefit of ourselves. Would you agree with that? Okay. But it also means that it's, it, we don't look out necessarily. It isn't doing whatever to please other people either. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. Our objective as followers of Jesus is to do whatever pleases him. Sometimes pleasing Jesus means we sacrifice ourselves, our own desires, our own wants. Sometimes pleasing Jesus means that we don't please other people either. Sometimes it just means pleasing Jesus and, and not pleasing other people or ourselves. But a lot of times, to please Jesus, it means to sacrifice self and to please others. Let me give you an, an illustration that is kind of being, that's in our scripture today. Jesus came and placed himself right in the middle of evil and sin. He, he just came and he walked with people. He associated with people in the world. And because of that, he got a reputation pretty quickly in his ministry. And the reputation is that, oh man, he, is, he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, right? I want you to look at this in Luke chapter 7, because this is kind of interesting. In Luke chapter 7, verse 33, this is what it says, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. So John the Baptist, you know, he was the guy that had these that crazy, you know, uh, uh, animal clothing and ate locusts, but he ate no bread and he drank no wine. And what did they say about him? He's a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and, and you say, look at him, a, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Do, do you think, let me ask you this, do you think that Jesus drank beer? I want, to, I want you to, you have to vote, okay? I'm going to make you vote. So do you think, because I'm going to say, do you think he didn't? You, so you got to decide, all right? Do you think that he drank beer? Raise your hand. Boy, most of you don't think, okay. Do you think he drank wine? Okay, so there's a difference between wine and beer, okay? Uh, How come you think that? 
Because the Bible says it. Isn't that what, it just, isn't that what we just read? That, that John the Baptist, he came not eating bread, not drinking wine, and they said he was a demon. The Son of Man, meaning Jesus, right, came eating and drinking, eating bread and drinking, and you say that he was a glutton and a drunkard. So, did Jesus drink wine? Yes. How come you didn't raise your hand on beer? I'm curious, you know. Is it not the same thing? Do you, do you think Jesus drank lemonade? What about tea? How about coffee? Do you think Jesus drank coffee? I'm not trying to trick you, but the reality is, is that we just don't know. Did they even have coffee back then? Maybe they did. I don't know, but I don't. The Bible does not say. If you read something like he did drink coffee or he did drink tea, they're getting it from something else, not the Bible. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be accurate. I'm just saying it must be Josephus or some other historic writing, you know, or they're just making it up. I don't know. But, but the only thing that we do know is that they drank wine and they drank what? Water. You think Jesus drank bottled water? I don't know. They, they don't talk about it in the Bible. We can only, we can only deal with what they talk about, right? And, and all that we know is that they drank wine and they drank water. That's probably all they had. Pretty sure Walmart hadn't existed yet. And, that, and that's all we know is that there is just these two things. Uh, do you think that Jesus ever got drunk? How many of you think he didn't? That he never got drunk? I'm pretty confident, like 99.999, actually, I'm pretty much 100% confident that he did not. Why do I think that? Because the Bible talks, there's so many verses in the Bible that tells us that we should not get drunk that it leads to debauchery, that the people who uh, partake and, and behave in that way do not enter the kingdom of God. I mean, there's just so many things. Just look it up, okay? Jesus drank wine. Did he get drunk? Well, Ephesians, in our passage of Scripture, this is the reason we're bringing it up in the first place, but Ephesians five eighteen it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So we're talking about having a relationship with people in the world because God, we already have established God wants us to have relationships with people in the world. What he doesn't want is for them to influence us. What he wants is for us to influence them. He wants us to have a relationship, but he wants to make sure that we are affecting them and they're not affecting us. One of the ways that we do this is we walk in love. We imitate Christ. We, and by doing that, we have to know that by imitating Jesus, we need to know what sin is and what sin isn't, right? Um, Jesus associated with drunkards. He associated with gluttons. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with all of these people. And it's a good thing. But even though he hung out with them, he never stepped over the line. He always 
knew where he could go and how far he could go without going too far. So he drank wine, but he never got drunk. Because getting drunk would dishonor the father. Drinking wine doesn't dishonor the father. Drinking wine just gives him an opportunity to associate with the people that he was wanting to associate with. Getting drunk all of a sudden has allowed them to influence him instead of the other way around. And Jesus was perfect. That's why Jesus is our, our example for how to have a relationship with people in the world, right? But that is such a challenge, is it not? Is it not a challenge to be, like, associate with people in the world and not go too far? Like, associate with them where you are actually influencing them and instead of them pulling you in and, and now you are dishonoring your God and now you're dishonoring, you're dishonoring them instead. If we, if we honor them over honoring God, we have gone too far. That's one, one way that we can judge this. If, if all of a sudden we are feeling guilty about what we are doing, then we are made it too much about either ourselves or we're made it too much about them and not enough about God. If we don't care what God actually thinks about this subject, right? Um, but we'll use Scripture to justify. In other words, we use Scripture to say, you know what, the Bible says we can drink, so just back off a little bit, preacher. It's okay that I do this. And so we use the Bible to justify that, but yet we have gone too far with what the Bible has given guidelines, you know, like we have gotten drunk, then we have gone too far. We've made it too much about us, too much about them, and not enough about God again. If we go too far, we blow our witness. All of a sudden, we're not pulling them into a relationship with God. We are just pulling them to a relationship with us, or they are pulling us into a relationship with them. And that relationship was just between us and them, but God is completely left out of the picture. And we've blown our witness of what we're trying to accomplish. So we have to, that, that's the reason it's really important that we understand if we're going to imitate Jesus, what we've got to do is imitate him. And he always made it about his father God. That's who he was trying to please. He wasn't trying to please himself, because that's what the scripture says, right? And he wasn't trying to please them either. He was just trying to please God and what he did. And so therefore, by his desire to please God, he always knew if he took it too far or not. Because he would know, God's not going to be pleased with this if I get drunk, so I'm not going to. And he just had this way about him. His desire was to please God, and God's desire was to send Jesus into this world to be our sacrifice, to sacrifice himself. He did that, didn't he? His desire was to save us. In order to save us, he wasn't going to allow the people that he hung out with, which was the tax collectors and the drunkards and the gluttons, he wasn't going to allow them to pull him into anything. He was going to come and pull them out of what they were in which was their sin and the things that were pulling them away from their relationship with God. If you can't imitate that, 
then you probably need a time of isolation. Now, our objective is not to isolate, but to imitate, right? That is our point, right? And it's true. But there are times in our lives that if we have gone too far or they are pulling us and they are dragging us in, like I can't hang out with the buddies because I just, every time I think I'm just going to drink one, but I end up drinking too many, right? Then if you can't imitate Jesus and make this about Jesus, then probably it is a time for you to isolate yourself from that situation for a period of time. That is definitely my would have been my scenario if I hadn't gone into the ministry. Because when I came out of the world, I can no longer associate with the people, my buddies, because every time I would have lost that battle, every time they would have just sucked me right back into what I was doing before, right? And so I knew that there had to be a time of isolation. The best isolation I ever had was go to Ozark uh, because I completely isolated myself. And that four years at Ozark was awesome. Because it gave me an opportunity to really understand what is my objective in all this anyway. And it, was, it became the same thing that Jesus was, to seek and to save that which was lost. So therefore, when I go back into associating with people of the world, my objective was to, to influence them, not them to influence me. Why? Because that makes Jesus good. You know, it makes him look good. It, it makes me please him. And so this is really important. So, so the first thing is we walk in love, and that's how we do it. The next thing he talks about here is we walk in light. In other words, here's my second point, and that is don't stumble in the darkness, but shine. That's what our objective is. Don't isolate, but imitate Jesus. Don't stumble in the darkness, but shine. You got to make sure that you understand that your objective is, is to shine your light. If you have to blow your light out before you enter into a room with people, then you are there for the wrong reasons. You're going to stumble. And you're going to stumble. You're going to just, you're just going to let them affect you. If you can't walk into the room with your light on, then, then why are you there? And that's really important for us to understand. Let's look through the rest of our scripture here in verses 3 through 6. It says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk or crude joking, which are, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Again, if, if you can't walk into your connections with people of the world and not leave that, I mean, and not participate in that kind of behavior, then you should not be there. For, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no, no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So as we walk in this world and we associate and have these relationships with people of the world, always be watchful. That's what this is trying to help us. Always be on guard. Always be extremely careful because just as you are trying to 
to be crafty and you have an ulterior motive for having these relationships, they do too. And so always be on guard against temptation. Don't, don't see how close you can come to the edge without falling off. Don't see how far you can go and get away with something. But be on guard. See it as something dangerous. What is it that's, that's dangerous here in our scripture? Let no one be deceived, verse 6, let no one be deceived, deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What he's trying to use as our motivation for being on guard is that you could lose your salvation. They could just pull you right in. Next thing you know, you just don't really care what God thinks anymore. You're not making it about God at all. The salt that was once salty, as Jesus says, has lost its what? Its saltiness. And then what does he say? And what good is that? It's just to be thrown out with everything else, is what he says. And so there should be this understanding that there is something that, that is... Uh, uh, that we have to guard against and protect and be careful with. But here's, here's what I, I think is important. When you are around your friends that live in the world, be kind, right? Be, be loving. Let them know how much you appreciate them and how much you love being in their presence. But don't apologize for being a follower of Jesus. If you, if you feel like you have to apologize for your behavior that is honoring your Father God, then that's like somebody that blew their light out and then walked into that room, right? If you have to offer an apology for you loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then, then maybe you shouldn't be there in that. And so this is, this is where we just have to be careful. We have to remember and be reminded of why are we there. It's to walk in love. It's to be the light, walk in the light. Don't, don't talk like they talk. You already know how they talk. They talk, they, they say crude jokes, and they talk foolish, and they talk filthy. There's nothing wrong with you being in their presence as they do that. But if, but if you begin to talk like they talk, then no longer are you actually representing Jesus. You're not shining your light. So don't talk like they talk. Constantly be reminding yourself why you shouldn't be like them. Why shouldn't you be like them? Because it doesn't honor your father. And because people who choose to not honor God aren't salty. People who choose to not honor God um, uh, are thrown out with the unsalty. There is judgment upon those who choose to not honor God. And so just continue to remind yourself, it will help you guard against being foolish 
which is, leads us to, well, let's talk about this for a second. Verse 7, let's, let's read this. We're still in walking in the light. Therefore, do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light of the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit, of the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So that's our objective, is, is not to participate with them, but to expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when... Anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. And it's just talking about that, reassuring us that we have a mission and we have an objective for why we continue to live with people of the world. Why we don't isolate, but we imitate. You know, it gives us a reason. Uh, verse John 9, 5, it says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now there's a really important verse that I want us to, to address, and it's verse 7. And it, it just says this, it says, uh, Therefore do not associate with them. And, and it's just like, well, Mike, I thought you just said we're supposed to associate with them. Well, that verse is not saying don't associate with them like being in their presence. It just means don't be like them. Don't talk like them. Don't do the things that they do that are dishonoring to God. It doesn't mean not to be in their presence, but just don't become like them. Don't live like dark people because you're not. You are children of the light. Verse, verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the, in the world. So we are to seek, you know, God in the midst of our relationships, and we are to be children of the light. So walk in light, walk, I mean, walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. Don't isolate from, from, from people, but imitate Jesus. Don't stumble in the darkness, but shine. And this last one is just be wise so that no one dies. <laughs> I just tried to rhyme, sorry. But that's really what Jesus' objective was. Why did Jesus come? He says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give us life. He came to give people who were living in darkness the ability to shine like lights and to be a part of a group that shines like lights. He came to save us. And that's our objective when we are having our relationship with our peop people in the world is we should want them to be here, to seek God, to worship God, which is those two things we are doing, right? And to fellowship with people who love God. That's what we should want. We should want them to set by us. And so when we're having these relationships, we should be like wise people trying to make sure nobody dies, um, but that we save them. 
Look at verse 15. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, for that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making medallies to the Lord with all of your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are commanded to walk wisely because the world is lost. Right? The world is, they are going to want to criticize. They're going to want to point fingers. They're going to want to convince us to join them and quit being silly and running after religious things. And we just have to be wise. We have to realize that we represent God in this world and that we want to make him look good. We have to do what Jesus did. And, and we're, we're coming now to the table and we're just reflecting upon what did Jesus do? He sacrificed everything, right? So that we could have life. He gave himself so that we could have. He associated with the world so that he could win the world to himself. He always honored God in everything that he did. He always walked in love, he always walked in the light, and he always walked in wisdom. Let us do the same. Let me pray. Father, we just uh, thank you this opportunity, Father, to reflect upon our relationships with people in the world. We know that you want us to have them. We know that there is a purpose for them. And we just pray, Father, that you would help us to always please you in those relationships and always use them for your glory and for your benefit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.